0: Hello and welcome to the All Bets Are Off podcast, a gambling addiction recovery podcast brought to you by those with lived experience. If you're here and having difficulties with gambling, please reach out. There are plenty of people on your side. There's a comprehensive list of support services over on our website, www.allbetsareoff.co.uk. It's now time to crack on with the pod.
1: Hello and welcome to the second episode of season four of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Today, we've been joined by the author of The Girl Gambler, Stacey Goodwin. Firstly, Stacey, uh, welcome. It's great to have you on the show today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
1: No, honestly, it's a a pleasure to have you on. Now, usually with, with most guests, uh, i or indeed we uh, chris is here i sort of have a, a an inkling of where to start but the, the first comment that i really wish to make and, and i don't know what it is having seen your TikTok, vi- tiktok videos but i absolutely love your accent now can you tell us where is it that you're from first and foremost
2: yeah ev- everybody loves the accent i don't even hear it but um i'm from chesterfield in derbyshire so apparently we have a very strong accent here. I mean it's,
1: it is it's a very endearing accent I think. I think that's you know I'm, I'm I don't and I'm, I'm I'm honestly saying this not taking a mick it is really endearing I actually love it. So when I see your videos it does make me smile now. In terms of your story I'm really intrigued to hear uh, much more. Your Recently, you've you've burst onto the recovery scene, and you know I personally uh, came across your TikTok a, a little while ago. But I can't help I can't help think that we're getting a, a little bit ahead of ourselves. So, can you take it back a little bit from the very beginning? Um, when did you first begin to gamble, and how quickly did it take a grip of your life?
2: Uh, so I started at 18. So um, it was pretty much immediately as soon as I was legally allowed to gamble. And that wasn't because I was sat at 17 kind of waiting for the day when I could. It was because I got a job in a bucket. So all I was bothered about at the time was going out with my mates and having a drink and having a nice time and kind of that. I just needed a little bit of money to be able to do that with. And there was a part time job that became available in the bookies. So... That opened me up into the industry, kind of knowing nothing about it previously, very naive to it. All of a sudden I was kind of launched into this entire world of gambling and everything that it offered, everything that it did. And so it was very much in my face, full throttle as as soon as I was able to. Um, and from there I kind I saw the devastation I did I saw people in there kind of morning till night they'd open up with us and close a shop with us um so I didn't know a little bit the the effects that problem gambling had and convinced myself that I would never put any money in that machine that's not something I'd do and then I went over to another shop one day to get some change and I was just waiting for it for the money over the counter from not even for what I'd won or any- anything just stood there waiting next to a machine and I thought okay a pound can't hurt and the unluckiest moment of my life was winning that first time and I won and it wasn't a lot I think it was on roulette so but from there it was just immediate I think the hook because I won and that's kind of where I continued throughout the rest of those eight years. And it, it it just got bigger and bigger, the need. The coins turned into notes, turned into online, where it doesn't even feel like money anymore. But for me, I would like I say, having that job there just exposed me to a world that I didn't know previously even existed. It's a pretty
0: incredible experience, isn't it? You know, 17, hadn't thought of gambling, end up in a job where you're surrounded by gamblers and then there you are not planning to but become a, a gambler yourself and not just a gambler but somebody who experiences great harm from it and you know I think there were a couple of things here firstly I'd love to know what your kind of own personal experiences are because I know from me when I saw other people gambling I think oh poor them but didn't realize that I had a problem myself until far too late and another one might be um you were working in the industry at that point I just wondered what they did if anything to kind of make you aware of what problems you might face yourself when you were working there.
2: Do you know what that's a hugely important point so a lot of the work that I'm doing now obviously to raise awareness as much as we can. I think the first point that I would say is that although the legal requirement for obviously gambling is 18, um, I had just come out of, or, or pretty much just come out of school in sixth form and things like that, and didn't know what I was doing. So I was still very naive and I didn't know. I still live with my parents, so I didn't know about bills and money management. All I were bothered about were going out and having a good time. Um, so I think that there, there should be a look at, at the age of maybe opening up, or at least as you've absolutely nailed on the egg, Chris. I didn't have a course put in front of me when I started at that book is it was all about the promotion and how you take the money and what you do to translate the bets. There was no training given to me to say this is what you look out for or be careful of this or these are the effects of it or anything like that and I think that would have made a massive difference in me just being aware of what was happening to me when I started that first time and started getting those thoughts more and more often like I said even though I could see that people clearly were there all day every day and I would think they had a problem you don't know unless you know you don't you can't I think I say it a lot and and The people who've helped me recover, there's doctors and and psychologists and people like that and I thank every single one of them but I don't feel that unless you've been through it and you tell somebody about when you wake up and your stomach pulls and you get those sick feelings, I don't think you can ever truly know that unless you've been through it. So and I think my personal experience, it, I don't even know where to start. It, It genuinely was horrific and I kind of in my book the best way I've ever found of describing it I use two kind of things a lot to do my best to describe it which is um, it's an invisible twin so although people are looking at you and, and think that it's a conscious choice they don't see this person who's screaming at you who's telling you to lie who's telling you you need to do this or and that never shuts up all they can see is kind of you sat there making a conscious decision when it's so much more than that and then also kind of the way that gambling changes you as well as a person so um obviously you I have always been a very caring very loving person um but when you're gambling the only thing that you can are controlled by at that time is a need for money and a need to gamble and the hardest thing to ever explain to anybody is why. And that's the first question you will ever get asked is why. So again, one of the ways that I found to explain it was I am still me, but if you kind of imagine that your brain has sections, kind of love and family and friends and work, and then there's a part for addiction and they're all kind of have plugged into plug sockets. When you are in that state, the only thing that is plugged in is addiction. So the other things are still there, but they're not working as they were. And that's that's for me how I found to explain that it changed me so, so much, so much. I don't have any idea who I was. I was completely lost.
0: I know that I know that Ryan wants to come with a question in a second, Stacey, but I've got to jump in here because I love the way you explained all of that um, about you know, different parts of the brain. And, uh, but the bit about the invisible twin, I think that's absolutely wonderful because I can totally relate to that. And for me, I had an invisible twin from very young, and that was the one that was telling me to drink alcohol um, and how that's going to make everything better. Then I became part of like an invisible set of triplets, which is just really weird. And I remember being standing in a ladbrooks. I'd taken the afternoon off work specifically to go and drink, not told any of my family, not told my wife, you know, I'm just gonna go out and go home, pretend I've had two beers, I'd have been in the pub all afternoon and night. Except the gambling triplet got louder in my head that day. I never made it to the pub, couldn't get out of that, out of that ladbrooks that I was in. And it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? There was there was this small part of me in my head, which was the one that I am now, saying, Please go home, please go home. And the other two saying, You're not going home. One is saying to the gambling one, leave me alone, I want to get to the pub. And the gambling one's laughing, going, No, I'm the stronger one now. I'm the stronger one. And it's it's absolutely crazy. I I just love the way you explained that, Stacey.
2: It's it's it you're so right. And I think um the other thing to see that people don't see is the power of it. For me, I Kind of explain that towards the end. It's not fun. You don't do it for enjoyment. You do it just to stop this person screaming at you, just to get a little bit of silence from it. It's not because you have a you have an absolute desire to do it. It's not even about money anymore. It's about just getting that bit of peace and quiet in your own mind.
1: Exactly that. I mean, it's something that we spoke about quite a lot on the podcast in terms of, you know, I've spoken about in particular in terms of that fifteen-year addiction, like how much of it at the beginning did I actually enjoy gambling and then it was a, a numbing exercise and I would probably say the first year or two and then the, the, the next 12 or 13 years it was just a, a pain numbing exercise money had long gone it didn't matter anymore and I would gamble in no matter what my mood was, um, I had a few friends, and I'd just gamble, gamble, gamble. That's all I could think about, um, and it was difficult to take uh, uh, t- take myself away from that. But one thing that's quite interesting, I think, is um, I mean, similar to yourself, is uh, you mentioned early on in terms of that was your um, you know winning. When you first had your first betting experience was a positive one yeah. from a, a monetary perspective, uh, very similar to mine. And mine was also on a, a fixed betting terminal in, in, in a bookmaker's. And what I did want to say before Chris asks his next question is is, and I'm, I know we will come to your book, but I think the first chapter of your book uh, where you describe the uh, thoughts, feelings as you you've done all your money, come out of the the, the shop, and you know it's that sort of frightening. Uh, reality that you've got no money left for the month and all that sort of stuff trudged to the bus stop I did that walk so many times so as I was reading through that um, I could definitely definitely feel where you were coming from
2: it was so so real and so often like you said it's so easy to recall it because it wasn't just once it was hundreds of times collated together
0: I think what I wanted to get onto now, really, Ryan, is a bit about um, what your gambling was really like, Stacey. So obviously you worked in the shop, and I think you said that was for eight years. So how did the gambling move evolve? And, you know, were you gambling... In the shop you know presumably you couldn't do that in your own one unless you're doing it secretively I don't know so were you going to other shops was it predominantly online what, what was the kind of what did it look like
2: um so I, I had the the addiction lasted eight years so my my time in the shop was for probably only about a year or so or just after that but that's what opened me up to it um absolutely it started in shops because again I was I was young I didn't know that there was these sites online that I could go to, I just saw the machine. So it started very much on the fixed odd betting terminals. And I think the other thing, which is obviously something that I'm trying to raise awareness for, is I knew working in that shop how strange it was to see an 18, 19, 20-year-old girl sat on a machine on her own in a bookies. So I would move from shop to shop so that I purposely would try not to arouse too much suspicion about the fact that I was there on my own. So that's where it started mainly and then after that, after maybe the first year or so of doing that, I found online and for me it was perfect in In that state. Nobody could see me, nobody could see how young I was or that I was a woman or I didn't feel uncomfortable in a shop that where I knew the people who worked there. I could sit at home at whatever time I wanted and it was pretty much solely online at that point. And I got to a point, Chris, where it was waking up like, your body. It was like my body had an alarm clock. It knew when payday was. And it would wake me up at 2 a.m. every payday. Honestly, for eight years, like, I, I never missed waking up in middle of the night on payday. And for maybe, if I were lucky, a couple of hours. If I were unlucky, it are half an hour. My entire wage had gone, all of it, online. And that was the story. Obviously, the... The debts and stuff followed that, the loans that you take out, everything that I kind of sold, trying to get money, the the amount of debt was just unreal, trying to get that back. And even if I did, like, manage to get a little bit of money from anywhere, it never went anywhere but straight back onto that site. It, it screamed at me until... until uh, gambled and, and made the kind of I describe them as voices like kind of turning the urge into a voice because that's to me how powerful it was it felt like somebody screaming at me but it was um to start with yeah but I say that it was anything I remember going to Boots once and they had a tombola on And the stuff that they got on this stall was absolute crap. I had no interest in any of it. I didn't want the things they were selling. But because it was a Tombola, I went back about like nine times because I felt like it was a gamble and it was a win. And I didn't even want the stuff on there. So um, heavily online, but in all honesty, I would gamble on anything that i thought was about
1: you you make a good point there um uh, stacy and i wanted to touch upon the point about how you felt as a female uh, within a betting shop now we've done uh, episodes specifically around female gambling addiction we feel that it's a, a really important topic to, to to raise awareness of hence why we've had women's week and I think we've had a few women's yeah. weeks in particular and around a quarter of our audience are, are female and I wanted to sort of if, if you could uh, um, uh, if you could elaborate on those feelings of vulnerability and about how you felt as a female and how um, you may have felt judged uh, for example by the the, the male Uh, punters in there
2: yeah so I think again working in there kind of I never saw a woman and a woman on their own or sat on a machine it was very very rare that you did that they'd often come in with their partners or things or or with somebody else and they might have a go because they were with somebody else so it kind of made it feel okay but for me as I think my age came into it a lot as well so being like a teenager and then early 20s and a woman it felt like I shouldn't be there it felt like the bookies was a wrong place for me to be and it's not for people like me and why am i in there so it was quite scary and that's why i think i personally believe there are so many more women who do it online now because you don't have to go into a shop you don't have to nobody has to see you and you can hide behind that um I think as well I had some personal experiences I tried to get better kind of going into my early 20s I tried a few things and I remember going to my doctor's once and explaining to my doctor that I felt I've got a problem with gambling and he gave me a form to fill in for counselling and he said don't put gambling addiction on it just put low self-esteem so that made me feel even more like this isn't normal this isn't some he doesn't know what to do with a young woman who's gambling this isn't something like somebody of my age or my gender should be doing I went to obviously I mean GA are fantastic absolutely love what they do for people I went to a group and it was it was all males and as a 22 year old girl at the time I was petrified it took all of my courage to step through the door and then so to not be able to kind of find comfort in somebody like me, um, a similar age or, or female, was hugely scary and it led me to, to not go back because I, I felt quite intimidated there. I, I was young and, and vulnerable. And I think that was part of the reason that I waited so long again to try and get help and also the reason why I hid it for so long because I was ashamed because I just didn't see anybody that's kind of why I've done what I've done to say if there is an 18 year old girl starting a job in a bookies anywhere please know that you're not on your own you're not it's a trap that it doesn't matter who you are you fall into it and you can fall into it but there is that things out there kind of suitable suitable for us.
0: You talk so eloquently about it, Stacey. It's amazing. You know, you've been through this and you really do, you know, you've really picked up on how it's affected you and, and the things that made it difficult for you. Um, and, you know, as everybody knows, I go to GA, but, you know, we don't see that many women in our rooms. There are some, and every time I hear them share their stories, it's wonderful and it really helps me. But I can imagine being a 22-year-old girl walking into a room full of middle-aged men, older men. You know, it's not an environment you would feel comfortable in, and understandably so, even though all those people there would have wanted you to get better, it doesn't make it feel okay for you. So there really does need to be much more thought given to how people who are it's not just young women you know it is young women it's young women people of different faiths all that kind of stuff can find the support they need to to get into their recovery and I hope you know I hope over the years GA will see that as well and, and we can make some difference and make it far more inviting I know one meeting in particular which has quite a lot of women go to it and that's purely because of the time of day it is and it's easier for them to to go there while their kids are at school and that's brilliant and I think we need a lot lot more of that I'll tell you what though when you spoke about the doctor saying don't put gambling addiction down that that just is terrible I can't I can believe that but it's just it just shows what needs to be done in this country to help GPs understand but when a GP is telling you that somebody who you would have trust in crikey the stigma the thought of Why am I gambling? I obviously shouldn't be gambling. This is wrong. That's really, really horrendous. So that's two really important things you've picked up on there. But I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Stacey, you know, with regards to Jay and stuff? Do you see a way of that changing to make it more comfortable for people like yourself or do you see other groups that are out there that maybe you're involved in or would like to be involved in or you know i just want to get some ideas from you really for our listeners to think this is what i could do if i'm a young lady
2: yeah i think that i found i think an important thing to mention is my recovery was through gordon moody um they were absolutely fantastic and i searched for a place. i was at a point where i'd attempted to take my own life and um i was really i knew that this is me or my addiction now one's gonna win and i just i needed somebody to just wrap me up in cotton wool and say it's okay and take me away so i specifically looked for um a residential facility because i knew that's what it was going to take to make any impact on my life and gordon moody were fantastic the Like I said before, the counsellors and the kind of everybody there, the group leaders and stuff were fantastic. But the fact that I walked into a room of women finally who knew what I was talking about when I said I've done this and I've done that and they knew why was, the I believe, the biggest reason that I recovered because I finally knew that I wasn't on my own. I think that it kind of there's two points I think Chris I think that um First of all, if we get more word out there to say that women do suffer too and more women come forward, then it would be quite natural for more women to attend the groups that they need to. So there wouldn't need to be huge change made by the kind of recovery industry to say that we have to do this separately for women, that if more people were felt comfortable about coming forward about it, then I think that would happen quite naturally. But then I've kind of... um. So there's lots and lots of groups out there. The thing is, though, is that you have to look for them. So when I went into that doctor's, there wasn't... He didn't tell me about Gamstop. He didn't tell me about Gordon Moody. He didn't tell me about Gamblers Anonymous. I had to search for that myself. So I think that there should be even just a flyer somewhere um, to say, do you know what, pick this up and here here you are. Here's at least a signpost towards it but looking now especially since kind of people are reaching out to me as well since sharing my story there is so much out there to help it's absolutely amazing it's just that you don't know about it I came across Moses the other day and I was like oh my god how did I not know about this 10 years ago why did I why didn't nobody tell me that this was an option so there's so much. I mean, I will. I owe every. I feel that like I owe everything to Gordon Moody. They truly turned my life around. But um, so many communities. The big step. I'm now an ambassador for um, Better Change, who are doing fantastic work. Absolutely amazing. There's too many to even sit and reel off. But the problem is, is that you don't know about them until you need them. Um, And and that's where I think the problem is. If you know about that, when you get into a stage, you don't have to be at rock bottom before you look for that. You, You know that's there.
0: Spot on, Stacey, spot on. And I know Ryan wants to jump in here, but I really, really have to because somebody who's worked in a betting shop, not knowing what Moses is, is incredible and that just shows like we were talking about earlier when you turned up you did not get the right kind of training or anything because somebody working in a bookmakers has to know what moses is for the customers but you know if you know it for the customers you can
1: know it for yourself as well but wow that is unbelievable just to pick up on that point that's something that we as uh, taught jen is is so- something that we're trying to improve the self-exclusion schemes and uh, so so yeah and in terms of your experience with your gp i mean it's we've we've heard some horror stories uh on the on the podcast throughout our time doing it and uh, my own personal story very similar to yours you know i confided and that pl- takes a lot of courage really to do that you, you know you really prepare yourself to do it and then it's sort of kind of like what you're going to be met with and you know i was just basically passed a pamphlet and shuffled out the door you know i'm busy sort of thing and and you just feel um yeah, you just feel really ashamed. Um, but no, big up uh, Gordon Moody, Rob Mabbitt and uh, Kerry Nichols are, are both uh, friends of the show. Can I ask, following these experiences and what happened with your GP and, and and taking you back into into how you were feeling then, can I ask how this had an impact on your mental health and how it impacted your relationships with your friends? You said that you were outgoing, you know, you were all for, for a good time, uh, family, work colleagues. How did that impact you?
2: It, it ruined it all, Ryan absolutely destroyed it all I think like I said earlier I wasn't me when I was gambling I don't know who I was but I had none of the traits that I have as Stacy. it completely took over I I purposely would avoid being with friends I would push people away because I wanted to be on my own so I could sit and gamble um in relationships I was I always say like I, I lied I stole I, I always say that I, cheat. I never cheated physically, but all of my effort went into hiding my gambling rather than anything else. So uh, I just didn't, I wasn't capable of thinking or just putting effort into anything other than gambling. All my family now, when I ask them, what was I like? Like, because there's parts of it as well that I can't consciously remember I in my brain absolutely shuts off and I don't remember a lot of what I went through um in terms of like specific points or somebody will say I'd said this or done that or this had happened it's like I was drunk and I woke up and I I, I blacked out I have no conscious memory of it at all and they always describe me as a zombie they'd talk to me and nothing would go in um I Uh, Throughout my teens, I suffered with anorexia and it it was only through recovery that I learned that anorexia and gambling addiction or food disorders um, have quite a similar link because the thing that you have a problem with is something that you have to continue having a relationship with. So you can't not live your life without food and you can't not live your life without money. So you have to take control over those two things. So it was some of the times I went my my weight dropped massively um, and in terms of my mental health like I said I made more than one attempt to take my life because I, I just I didn't want to be here anymore I didn't want to be controlled by these thoughts and I wanted to be me again but I felt entirely trapped in my own existence, and and I wanted a way out.
0: Thanks for that, Stacey. And it's, you know, I can really relate the way you talk. It's incredibly relatable. Um, and you said something there about not being capable to have relationships, and that's true. It's you know, the gambling consumes you twenty four hours a day. You know, it's always there, isn't it? That invisible twin that you talk about is always there. Absolutely horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And thanks for sharing about all the other stuff you've been through too. But, you know, with regards to the anorexia and the gambling, you're right, you have to eat, you have to have money. You know, With my um, alcohol addiction, I never need to drink again, but I never need to drink alcohol because it's not something that sustains me. Food sustains people you've got to eat, and money is required by everybody to, to buy the food, to buy the shelter and all that stuff. So it, I, I really get that. I really, really get that. Before we go for a quick break and then come back to talk about your recovery, Stacey, and what you're up to now... What would you say to younger Stacey, having experienced what you've gone through?
2: Um, I 100% would say you are not the only person that is going through this. You don't need to hide it anymore. There are things that can help and have a look for those on the first time you thought it might be a problem. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to be feeling as guilty as you are about this. You've fallen into a trap, and you can get out of it. You really, really can.
1: Brilliant top advice there, Stace. Um, so we're going to go for a quick break now, but uh, plenty more to come. So make sure you stick around for part two. So see you in a sec.
2: Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. The All Bets Are Off podcast is brought to you in association with GamBan, and they've teamed up with GamCare and Gam stop to formulate talk band stop. The TalkBanStop campaign offers a trio of free tools to prevent gambling harm, with support via Gamcare's National Gambling Helpline, free Gamban blocking software, and Gamstop self-exclusion. Head to www.talkbanstop.com for more information. TalkBanStop is only available in the UK, but to block your devices from accessing gambling sites and apps, you can get Gamban at gamban.com or on the App Store or Play Store, wherever you are in the world. Now, now though it's time to get back into the pod welcome
1: back to part two of today's show in which Chris and I are with the one and only Stacey Goodwin. Now, before the break, we were talking about your addiction and the devastation that it caused. Um, I can't help but feel now it's it's a good time to talk about your recovery journey. Uh, firstly, can you explain what set you off on the road to recovery and how did you go about it in terms of what was your methodology? I, I know, obviously, you, went, you, you mentioned Gordon Moody. Um, can you... Um, Tell us a bit more about that and uh, and also other methods that you've uh, applied to your recovery.
2: Yeah, I think, I, like I kind of said before, I was at a point where I was desperate to be taken away. I didn't feel like I'd tried for so long so many times that had failed to get better um, in my own environment that I felt like it wasn't an option and that wasn't going to work and I, I really needed to be taken away from where I was. So that's where I found Gordon Moody and found what they offer. And I the application process was scary because there's always a chance that you won't get in and um, they'll refer you somewhere else. And for me, this was like, this is my last chance now. I'm, I'm in a fight and I've got to win it. But yeah, very luckily got accepted. Um, like I said, I've tried a few different things in terms of recovery, but, but Gordon Moody was kind of what worked for me so we went on to the retreat and it was four nights I think and I remember I tried to run away when I get there because I was so scared of what I was doing and one of the counselors kind of walked me down back down the path and said it's okay and you'll be fine but I was so skeptical as well like I've been through this for eight years four nights is not going to make the slightest bit of difference so even though I desperately wanted it I, I was hugely skeptical still But again, I think the most important part of that for me was when the kind of there was like an awkward silence between all the women there before it started. We all knew why we were there, but you're programmed for so long to not talk about gambling that nobody did. Everybody was sat there silent until kind of the group leaders came in and broke down that wall and we started talking about it, the relief that immediately filled the room I remember at the end of that day every single woman took some paracetamol because we'd all got a headache from like I think it was just the pure emotion of it and the relief and just being with people especially women for me um who understood and completely got what I was on about it was absolutely groundbreaking I remember it's like a like a film out of a tv series or something I had such an epiphany like I was sat on my own staring at these women thinking like thank god like um this is it like they get it there is other people like me Um, so that was absolutely huge and we went through so much there so for me I always kind of the emotional side of it I kind of I don't get on with that side as well as as much as I do with the science of it because I refuse to believe that anything that happened to me in my childhood or anything like that at that time I refused to believe there was a link I thought no I started working a bookies and that's why I started gambling that's it don't talk about what happened to me when I was a kid because I don't believe there's any any relation to it and to some extent I still believe that so for me learning the science of it. And actually, okay, there is a chemical reaction that happens in my brain when I gamble and actually there is the dopamine and all that kind of stuff. I I didn't know that before and that gave me kind of a confidence to say, do you know what, this isn't just me, this isn't just a choice, there is a physical reaction here and that really, really helped me knowing it wasn't just just me and just choices that I was making And then there was kind of the mindfulness and stuff like that. And like, I like to have a laugh. And I found a person there who I had a laugh with. And being sitting quiet, I was like giggling the whole time. (laughs) Like, I'm just not a person that can sit and think about a flower or something like that. But actually, the bits of that that I did relate to were kind of okay, acknowledging I've got an urge now. And I do that to this day. So uh, I do know when my hands start sweating and my thought process is going and actually just having that couple of minutes to say, okay, I know what I'm going through and that's fine. I'm going to deal with it though. I'm not just going to react to it. I'm going to kind of acknowledge it, let it go, let it pass. That side of it was hugely important as well. So even though it comes across in different ways, like there's obviously the 12 steps and I say to everybody, I think you have to take from that what you take from that. There will be bits of that that work for you and there might be bits of that that don't work for you, but the the foundations are there and you kind of find what works and what doesn't. But, yeah, for me it was all about the understanding of it and knowing why it was happening. If I know how something... Like I like puzzles and stuff. If I know why it's happening and there is a fix to it, then I can apply that. So that was huge to me in my recovery.
0: The way you talk there about that scientific side of yourself and almost like your engineering mind, I suppose, how it wants to understand things, just shows why there needs to be different options for people. Uh, because essentially every every kind of recovery, you're going to be given some kind of framework to work within, some things to, to do, and they're all going to suggest meditation stuff because it's just good stuff to do, mindfulness, everything's going to do that. But, you know, some people, they need to understand what's happening in their mind to feel comfortable with it and say, Ah, oh, yeah, there's this chemical reaction happening. Therefore, I'm not strange. This isn't a strange thing at all. That, this makes perfect sense. I'm using this addictive product. and It's making me feel like this. Whereas other people need to say, I'm totally powerless over this and I just need some help from elsewhere and I need to find my higher power. And whatever way works for people, it's absolutely fine. And you know what? If it's a mixture, that's fine as well. What you said in there about finding people to sit with and talk to and the fact that you all sat there in silence, first of all, but then you spoke and that like kind of the weight of the world lifted from you. I can so relate to that because that's exactly what my first Jamie was like. I sat there and I spoke and it was like, Oh, my God, I'm speaking. I'm saying things I haven't said for 30 years, which have been in me for 30 years. And I've needed to say it. Now I can. Oh, oh my God, I can come back next week and say it again. This is amazing. And these people are going to listen to me. And in fact, they're going to say stuff back. And some of them are going to say stuff that I relate to as well. And and that for me is the most amazing bit. It's that connection and that ability to communicate. I'm really glad you found the ability to communicate in the way that you do. Because it seems from where you started talking about your gambling addiction and raising awareness, you've now built a, you know, a massive following on TikTok. Well, you must have amassed over 30,000 followers now, I think, which is huge. And what an amazing thing, a young woman talking about the harm that gambling can do and reaching so many young people and raising that awareness. It's amazing. I, I, I'm in awe of you. I think it's fantastic. I love checking out your videos. Uh, but just how rewarding have you found this experience? I mean, you must have re- received like, absolutely tons of messages i'm sure
2: oh yeah do you know what it's been absolutely incredible and i think you can see as well like genuinely when i made this decision to start this journey i was petrified i remember posting my first post and i was shaking and i had about 12 cigarettes because i was so scared and but um and you can kind of see that in my first video as well, the difference between the first video to kind of my later ones. Um, I do some kind of funny stuff in there as well because I think it's important when you're going through that just to have something to make you smile. But the support, I say this to the to, to the followers all the time, they don't understand. I have so many people message me who say they're a silent follower because they don't feel ready yet to... Open up to the world about that they've got a problem too, but actually, it's the comments and the likes from other people, from strangers, that let people know do you know what? Maybe if I do decide to make this decision to say that I've got a problem, it's not as people aren't as judgmental as we think that they're going to be. There's so much love and support on there, and other people who can relate so much that. It helps people that you don't know you're helping um, just by being supportive of it. And I can't thank everybody on there enough for that. I really can't. They're helping much, much more than just me. And also they help me. Because I did, I wasn't sure that I wasn't on my own and I wasn't going to get any other women come forward at all, but they absolutely have. I think I created a, a support group, a safe place on Facebook, so there's a lot of women in there who haven't found the courage yet to kind of openly speak about their addiction, but they can do it in there and know that I've everybody's safe, nobody's kind of judging. Um, and then over, I mean hundreds of women have, have spoken to me directly, to say that I have a problem and I'm not sure where to go and I'm not ready to kind of speak to anybody yet. So it is making an impact and I just couldn't be proud of it. Yeah, I was nervous of my experience. It's probably the best thing I've ever done, aside from Recover.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. And you make a good point there in terms of adding... The personality to your videos. I think if you were to go on there and just sound like a bit of a, a, a soundboard, and you know, you were just banging out about recovery and, and such. But what I see from your videos is that you know, I, I mentioned it earlier on. It's that endearing nature, the personality, and I'm sure that means that. M- There will be a lot of women out there that get a lot from that and uh, sort of kind of like, I guess, feel a bit more connected to yourself. And I think that's absolutely um, fantastic. And I think that's really, really important and critical um, in your videos. And, uh, so, so uh, massive products for that. Now I wanted to take this opportunity as well to point towards your campaign to stop scratch cards being overtly in your face, at least, um, when you approach the checkout and it's a campaign that to be honest, I, I fully support, uh, personally, because from my own experience, I know just how tough it was, particularly in the early stages. i would still say that I'm, I'm early on in my recovery, um, 13 months, but in the, in the very early stages, you know, I found it very difficult. It was always, second nature for me to to ask for scratch cards and and that temptation is real um i do see some of the comments that you've had um you know on, on some of your videos that you do reply to and and that was good to see because I think a few people as you mentioned earlier on in the show just don't quite get it I'm just I, I am conscious that this recording is, is is happening a few weeks prior to publishing but I guess I just wanted to inquire as to how that campaign is going and what the feedback has, has been like overall
2: overall it's been really positive um so there are people and and um who who don't quite understand and that's absolutely fine because they're generally people who haven't experienced it either directly or indirectly and and this isn't and I've said this kind of over and over again within my videos and the comments and stuff I'm not taking anything away from anybody I believe that if you enjoy a scratch card and it's not a problem for you then you should you should be able to enjoy them and be able to purchase them and nobody should take that away from you it's just about for me it's just even the placement of it like Chris said earlier with the alcohol I I know that's behind counters too and I would suggest that that change happens as well but you you can make a conscious choice okay I'm not going to go down that aisle because I may be triggered there whereas with them being I actually that it kind of started out i i turned the football off my partner likes football and i was sick of seeing adverts so i thought you know what i'm gonna go and get some milk and bread that's what we need and there was a queue and with social distancing it made it even like further apart the queue and longer and the only thing i could see was this tower of scratch cards with all these colors and stuff and i was stood in that queue for about two minutes and to overcome an urge and a trigger for that long is difficult like you said especially in the early stages when it's put directly in front of your face and I thought this is wrong we should get a choice for those people who want to just like cigarettes you could say can I see your scratch cards please but it's just about taking the trigger away from those who don't want to see them but currently don't have a choice in it And it's going really, really well. So um, when I kind of first started the campaign, I asked for or I proposed to my local MP my idea about it. And he put in a meeting with me, which I was very surprised at and very happy about. So I kind of prepped myself because I knew what would come in because I've seen kind of his things he likes a bit. He likes, uh, he's quite responsible with it, but he enjoys it. And so the challenges that came were within that conversation. It wasn't a simple, yes, it's a good idea. I got challenged over and over again, believe me. But um, afterwards he said that uh, I kind of made the point again that in my everyday life I make a decision to put Gamban on. I make a decision to watch TV on another channel to avoid an advert. I don't have any choice in seeing that at the moment. And so um, I got a letter today after that conversation to confirm that it's gone into Parliament and it will be discussed as part of the gambling review that's taking place. So hugely, hugely proud. And hopefully we'll see more change on the back of it. <laughs>
0: It's wonderful news. That's wonderful news. I'm so glad that happened. And and do you know what? Like the MP, fair play, fair play to the, your MP. And and also, I think it's really great that he's asked all those challenging questions because it's you know, if he hadn't done that and just kind of said yeah, okay, and, and passed something on, those questions might have come later on. But you know, if he's going to be able to really back this up, I suppose. Now you've gone in there, and if you get questions, you're prepared on the kind of questions you're going to get. And but you're spot on. You're spot on. They are right at the checkouts right at the checkouts. They're not even just at the checkouts where the cigarettes and alcohol might be behind, but they're actually at the self-checkouts as well, which is just crazy. Poundland, near me. Oh, do you know, I I went to Poundland
2: the other day, Chris. I couldn't even believe it. I went to Poundland and there were scratch cards advertised at the till. Do you know what, as well, another valid point is that a lot of people commented on the TikToks about it, saying their children ask for a scratch card because they're at they're at the tail and they're there and they're brightly coloured and they're huge, um, and so it's about protect. We protected or did our best to protect children from one addictive substance, which was nicotine. And I don't think it should stop there.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. And having kids myself, I understand it. Come on, Dad, let's buy that one. Look how much money we could bring for the rest of our lives. Oh, yeah, but you do know that I'm a I'm a recovering gambling addict here son this isn't going to happen and actually we're not going to win that money anyway and it's not right to have that in front of your face so yeah I totally 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 get it and and well done well done on this and let's move on let's move on to this book that you've written how amazing how amazing you know we really do need to know about this so what inspired you to write The Girl Gambler what's the response been like so far Don't be shy, you know, tell us all about this, you know, give it a good plug. uh, Let's know how much you've made and what you're doing with that money. Because I know you're doing some great stuff, giving that money away as well.
2: Yeah. So um, I started kind of at the beginning of the first lockdown. There were two kind of things that happened. First was I was watching TV, as I said, and the adverts are obviously relentless. And I thought, do you know how many people are stuck in and they can't go somewhere now to escape this? There must be so many people who are struggling. And I also thought to myself, I'd often sit and think, because I lost the first important years of my adult life, I believe, when I should have been getting in a relationship and looking to buy a house and be all excited and get my new car and things like that. And I lost all that through gambling and... I thought, I often said to myself, why have I been through this? Why, why did this happen? Why did it happen? Um, and I thought to myself one day, I went through this because I was strong enough to come out of the other side and help others. And that's genuinely what I believe. that, that That's why I went through it because none of it was fun. I, I almost didn't win. Um, and so I believe that my reason is to help other people. And like I said the the most important thing was that I wish when I was 18 this book would have been somewhere and I could have read it and I could have thought I'm not on my own that is the biggest thing for me is letting people know they're not on their own so that's why I did it so it is so raw it got rejected by so many publishers so I thought do you know what I've done all this on my own I'll publish it on my own so it's by no means perfect I don't I'm a, I'm a recovering gambling addict you know what i mean i don't have the money to get proofreads or i didn't have the money to go to a kind of a vanity publisher or anything like that but it was so important for me to get it out and talk about the real real feelings with gambling addiction and they're all in there from the sick to your heart falling out your ass to all, all of it um it's it's all in there and it's very very real and relatable I feel and like I said if hopefully there's one person who reads it who says this and there has been so many people have messaged me saying this is like reading my own life this is like looking in a mirror and talking to myself um and that was that was so important for me like I said it's not pretty it's not fluffed up in any way it is it is the true it's the true advert for problem gambling that's that's how I describe it the response on it has been amazing like I said it's genuinely people have said as well that they're donating it to other people so as I've kind of said throughout this although the proceeds are going to good causes it's just as important for me that the reason this book is there is to relate to people. So absolutely, if you've read it and you want to pass it on, pass it on. It, it just means that there's somebody somewhere who might pick it up and say, do you know what, I feel that, I, I do that, Um, they don't feel on their own anymore. And so, yeah, I uh, it made a really good, so it made £806 pounds in its first month. Which is absolutely incredible considering the royalties you actually get off being an author, which are terrible. So <laughs> um I never realized just how much like you actually get to keep. So I was hugely amazed at £806. And the I was I've always said that a portion will go to Gordon Moody so that they can continue helping people as they help me. The entirety of the £806 is going to Gordon Moody. Um And just because, do you know what, money, I spent so long being unhappy over money and believing money was the answer to my problem when it wasn't, the recovery was the answer to my problem. And so it's important for me that that money goes to helping more people recover. And, and I'll continue doing that for as long as I possibly can with all of the things that we're involved in. But it changed my life around. So if £806 goes some way to changing somebody else's life somewhere, it's worth every penny.
1: I love that, Stacey. I love your appetite to, to help others and... Um, and what you're saying there about you know not not going through a through an editing process and all that sort of stuff. Now I've read a few chapters of the book and I'm sure I'll finish it this week. And I just think that adds to the authenticity of it, to be honest. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll be sure to put a link in the description of the episode so listeners can easily uh, pick up a copy from from Amazon. Don't you worry about that. Now in terms of uh, in terms of wrapping it up, we'll tweet you out and all that sort of stuff. You've got more followers than us anyway, so you, you probably won't even notice. Um, <laughs> yeah, we need we need Stacy to send this out on TikTok, mate. You know, this is probably yeah.
2: yeah. I'll do should,
1: it, I'll do it. <laughs> should be a, a sort of reverse thing here, shouldn't it, really? Um no, but honestly, this 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 episode um in fact will be released uh, six days into the big step. So rather bizarrely, uh, all, all of us would have met in person uh, by the time that this is, is published and goes out. And um I think it's fair to say that we're in much better health right now, um uh, because it's gonna be a, a a trek and a half. Can I just ask? Obviously, what I might try and do actually is, when we're on the walk, is you know I'm going to ask you this question now, and then I'm actually going to, when it goes out, I'm going to ask you how you're feeling. But can I ask how much you're looking forward to it? And, uh, and, and 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 what I'm really excited about actually with you being there, uh, Stace, is conjoining and actually creating some content to raise. Uh, awareness of the Big Step campaign and that's going to be uh, really exciting but just how much are you looking forward to it?
2: Oh I'm hugely looking forward I'm very nervous don't get me wrong I'm I'm looking into foot care and things like that and in, in the right footwear but again to me whenever you meet somebody who has been through something similar to you we're all there because we've experienced it we're all there because we want change um so meeting the people is, is always exciting for me. You create a new family whenever you kind of have that common ground. So absolutely looking forward to it so, so much. Um and i'm sure that my answer will probably be different six days in <laughs> uh
1: yeah no 100 percent it will be trust me um no uh, i just want to say uh in terms of wrapping things up I, I really well both of us i speak on behalf of, of chris as well um really appreciate you coming on today and uh, i just want to say uh thank you for, for talking to us today i look forward to to meeting you we look forward to meeting you um it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good uh, good fun um is the big step and uh yeah thank you very much stace
2: now Thank you, and thank you for everything you do.
1: Brilliant, thank you. And uh, as for our listeners, uh, join us again same place and same time next week. to for now.
0: You've been listening to the All Bets Are Off podcast. To find out more about the creators of the pod, then please visit our website, www.allbetteroff.co.uk And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at allbetteroff underscore and share this podcast with others. Until next time, stay safe and remain gamble-free. Thank you
2: for listening.